Well, let's welcome our online audience this morning. Everybody wave back at the camera. Hey, give them a big hand. If you're joining us via the internet this morning on YouTube or Vimeo, we want to welcome you to West Houston Christian Center. We are so glad that you're here, our online audience. There's going to be some links through the sermon you can click on, find out information about the church, send comments, tell us what you like. If you have a prayer request, whatever you want to do, we are excited to communicate with you, and we are blessed, and we are honored that you are joining us, whatever part of the day this is for you. Amen? Well, I get the honor of introducing my mom. Amen? She loves this part. She loves when she gets personal attention like this. So let's do this. Let's make her feel really good. Let's just go crazy, right? Come on, give it on your hand. Give your hands for Pastor Mary Jean Pigeon this morning. Oh, shucks. <laughs> Thank you very much. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. You know, Pastor Jack was talking about being hot in Houston. Uh, years back, I did a little study about the city of Houston. And originally, Houston was, was to be the capital of Texas. And the Allen brothers had come down from New York, and they had doing real estate deals. And Houston was supposed to be the capital. But when all the bigwigs came down, it was so humid and so many mosquitoes. They said, we're not going to do this. So they moved to Austin. So... <laughs> but Houston is a governing city, and, it's a, and it has uh, channels into it, you know. So we're a very important people in the kingdom's mind side. I, I, so um, you're VIPs and didn't know it, I guess, huh? We are a governing city, and, and so our being participating in this, in what's going on around us is very important as Christians. Because uh, also I was just thinking about... Um, how God has seen fit to share his heart with us. You know, I want to do a, a, a church-wide thing calling it the, the year of the Bible to where we just honor the Bible and the word of God because he has basically opened his heart to us through this word and given us and, and become intimate with us through his word. That's, that is such a treasure, isn't it? It's such a treasure. But that's not what we're talking about today, so we'll, we shall go on. I kind of put a little outline down to keep me from going off in all directions, but um, I'm calling this Insight for Today's Christians. And first of all, we're going to look at how we live in an evil day. It's a very evil day, and it talks about darkness shall cover the earth, yea, deep darkness, the surface of the earth. So there is darkness, deep darkness. Stop and think about that, deep darkness. And when you're out and there's road rage and there's people acting crazy on airplanes and all these things going on today, just realize that these people are functioning in deep, deep, not just darkness, deep darkness. And many people have been turned over to a reprobate mind, it says in Romans. And that is a mind void of judgment. So what 20 years ago was just a known manners and behavior today people don't even understand that and so we need to understand what we're dealing with and uh and these people can be dangerous because <clears throat> they have a, a mind void of judgment and they may do uh erratic things and so but we have a safe keeping place for ourselves so and what does god want from us in the midst of this day he wants us bringing heaven to earth amen, amen? Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. He told us to pray that way. Why? Because this is a, it saves the lost, it brings wholeness to the believer, and keeps us safe. And how do we do this? And we're going to look at that as we, as we go on about the difference between praying for the lost and praying for a believer. There's difference in our prayers. So Isaiah 61 and 2 says, this is our day of darkness, Arise, shine, for the light is come, and the glory of the Lord is risen upon us. For behold, darkness shall cover the earth, gross darkness the people, but the Lord shall arise upon thee, and his glory shall be seen upon thee. We are vessels for the glory of God to come through into this dark world and shine. Amen? Say, I'm a vessel for the glory of God to shine into the darkness. Amen? 
You know, he told me one time I was asking him, just sometimes I just say, Lord, what do you want to say to me today? And one day he said, I want you to make this a part of your confession, that you are fruitful, you, mul- you multiply and replenish, you subdue and take dominion. Amen. Amen. Let's say that. I am fruitful. I am fruitful. I uh, multiply, I multiply and, replenish, and replenish. And I subdue and take dominion. Because if you're going to be fruitful and multiply and replenish, you better know how to subdue and take dominion or your enemy, the devil, will steal it right out from under you. Amen. So we need to know those things. Ephesians, and I really like this, the Ephesians chapter um, 6 um, verses 10 through 13 in the Amplified says it this way. It says this. We're in this place of deep darkness and this is the Ephesians 6 where it talks about warfare. And Paul says in Ephesians 6, now the book of Ephesians from the beginning, from 1, 2, 3, and 4, and 5, he's talking about the riches and glory in Christ and he's talking about the power of the Holy Ghost strengthening Uh, so we can believe for these things. And he's talking about the church and he's talking about the family unit and all the wonderful things that are given to us in Christ. And then he gets to chapter 6, verse 10, and he says, Finally, my brethren, are in conclusion, and literally that can say, uh, when he gets to finally, now to the most important matters at hand, If you don't remember anything else, remember this. He just talked about all these riches and glory. We talk a lot about the prosperity and the health and the healing that God has for us and all. But but Paul said, if you don't remember anything else, remember this. All that's great, but if you don't know how to put on the whole armor of God and stand against the walls of the devil, that that will escape you. All those good things will slip right through your fingers if we don't know how to stand against the devil. Amen? So we're living in a day of deep darkness, and he functions where? In the darkness. Amen? If he came out into the light, we'd all go, what in the, who do you think? No. But no, he creeps around in the darkness. So we don't know what he's doing. We don't know for sure what that is. And um, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. In the Amplified, it says, in conclusion... Be strong in the Lord and be empowered through your union with him. Draw your strength from him, that strength which his boundless might provides. Put on God's whole armor, the armor of a heavy armed soldier, which God supplies. Say, I'm a soldier in the name of Jesus. I'm in the Lord's army. Hallelujah. Amen that you may be able successfully to stand against all the strategies and the deceits of the devil, the wiles of the devil, and it's literally called, uh, the wiles of the devil means his methods, his methods and how he does things. And you need to learn to recognize him. And listen, the more you grow as a Christian, the more subtle he becomes. He won't come with something obvious to try to trick you with. He's going to come with something very subtle where you almost don't recognize it. And so we have to stay, we're going to have to stay light on our feet. <laughs> we have to stay alert. Peter calls it being sober and strong and alert. For we are not wrestling with flesh and blood. And the Amplified, I like this because it's literally what it says. We always say we don't wrestle with flesh and blood, but with principalities, powers, and rulers of darkness. But we do wrestle with flesh and blood. It says in the Amplified, we are not wrestling with flesh and blood contending only with physical opponents. And so that's one thing we want to look at. When, when, when am I dealing with someone's flesh, human flesh, the human spirit, and when am I dealing with a demonic spirit? We need to learn to uh, discern that. The discerning of spirits is going to be very, very important in the days ahead. And mainly it's because you want to be sure that you're approving the things that are excellent that your love may abound more and more, real knowledge and all discernment, that you may approve those things that are excellent. That was a prayer of Paul's in Philippians, that we may approve the things that are excellent, meaning those things that the Holy Ghost is bringing forth. I want to recognize it's the Lord. I don't want to criticize because it doesn't fit my tradition, maybe. I want to recognize that it's the Lord. 
And we live in a day when that's going to be very important because our enemy is, he's running out of time, so he's getting nervous. <laughs> Amen? So, uh, and he's going to take it out on who? Us. He's going to take it out on us. We wrestle, or not wrestling with flesh and blood, contending only with physical opponents. And when I say we wrestle with flesh and blood, different personality styles, different upbringings, uh, insecurities in one person that causes them to react against another person, that's our flesh and blood. The devil will take and make use of those things, but it's not always a demonic spirit. And you cannot cast out a human spirit. You cast out demonic spirits. But with a human spirit, you have to clothe them with the Word of God. You have to make, we'll look at that in a minute, intercessory prayer. You have to bring the blood of Jesus. I'm getting ahead of myself. So we were contending only with physical opponents, but against the depotisms, against the powers, against the master spirits who are the world rulers of this present darkness against the spirit forces of wickedness in the heavenly supernatural sphere. Amen. We are in for a ride. <laughs> and the darkness is getting deeper darkness. Amen. The wicked spirits in high places, this against spiritual wickedness in high places, the word wickedness there is iniquity, depravity, malice, evil purposes, and desire. Uh, it comes from the root word that means full of labors, annoyances, hardships, and causing pain. And so it denotes that this is interesting, uh, just to know what we're dealing with in, our, in the world today. It denotes an active exercise of a vicious disposition versus just having an evil disposition. It comes from delighting in destruction, injury, and destruction, and dangerous and it uses the word pernicious. That's a vicious sounding word, and it pernicious. But just to let you know that you, your enemy hates you. <laughs> Did you come to church for a good message? Your enemy hates you. I mean, Pastor Jack, and we, we've told you before, we went to a person's house one night, and they were full of the devil, growling, striking at us, and things like that. And, and that, that demon in her that night spoke about how she, uh, the demon was hates Christ, hates God, hates the Holy Spirit, hates the church, growling, saying these things, hates, using foul language. When we got home, we were in our driveway. It was about 3 in the morning, and we're sitting there going, I feel like I need a bath. But it was just filthy. And in this place, there were little roaches crawling everywhere, everywhere. I'd get up every once in a while and shake the pant leg to make sure they weren't crawling up my leg. It was awful. But she got delivered. They got delivered, and they ended up serving God in church. Yay, Jesus. The name is powerful, and it works. <clears throat> we would watch her just sink in to the table when we'd say, in the name of Jesus. So at any rate. But it gave me a, some insight as to how vicious our enemy is. So don't, don't uh, underestimate his viciousness. Amen. So in the Psalm, though, 3119, it says, How great is thy goodness, which you have laid up for them that fear thee, which you have wrought for them that trust in thee before the sons of men. Thou shalt hide them in the secret of your presence from the pride of man. Thou shalt keep them secretly in a pavilion from the strife of tongues. So literally, God's presence will hide us from the conspiracies of man. So you may have a human spirit conniving over here, and it might not be, but a demonic spirit will eventually come into that because that's opening a door when a human spirit operates like that. Something that surprised me, though, is that the human spirit is stronger than demonic spirits. You don't realize that. And that's why the demon, the devil has to talk you out of your strength. He talks you out of, he talks you into laying down and playing dead. He talks you out of your abilities and your strength and using the name. He talks you out of it by saying, they're not going to listen to you. They're not going to listen to you. Nobody cares about you. Putting insecurities on you and things. He talks you out of it. Like one preacher said, he's, 
He's talked you out of it all these years. Now talk yourself back into it. <laughs> so, in Micah, in the midst of that, there's deep darkness coming on the earth. We're going to have to have warfare. We know there's going to be warfare. In the midst of that, what do we do? What does God want from us? In the midst of the earth and what's happening in the earth today, I mean, the viciousness that's going on, the evil that's happening what, what do you want from me, Lord? What do you want from me? And Micah 6, 7, and 8 tells us, He has showed thee, O man, what is good, and what doth the Lord require of thee, but to do justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with thy God. Amen. Zechariah 3, 7 says, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, If you will walk in my ways, and if you will keep my charge, then, shall, then thou shalt also judge my house. Wow. If we'll walk in his ways and keep his charge. If we'll do justly and love mercy and walk humbly before our God. He's going to call on us with assignments. Will you go take care of this for me? Will you go take care of that for me? There was a time, and I may have told you this before, years back, we were in a church and there was a person that taught Sunday school and they were gathering quite a crowd. And then they started preaching against the pulpit. Can I just take a side trip and say something here? Our world is so out of order, it's sad. But we, in God's kingdom, we honor headship. We honor leadership. We might not agree with them all the time. We might not even like them. But we honor the position of headship and leadership. And if you're going to have any kind of victories, you've got to have order so the power can flow. And when, when half the people are talking against everything or think they've got a better idea than so, people do things differently. And we have, we have different uh, uh, styles of leadership. But we need to honor whoever is, we're, unless they're telling us to do something immoral and illegal. We, we honor, it's like the wife or the husband, as unto the Lord. Not telling you you have to do something crooked because the leader tells you to. I'm not saying that. But I am saying that we need to have a great, we've lost, and I preached it once before, but we're being robbed of our power by lack of respect for headship. In all areas of life, office, church, politics, whatever, it's happening and the devil is loving it. He's rejoicing over it because when he gets us all scrambled like that, where there's envy and strife, there's confusion and every evil thing. And that's what we're dealing with. And that's why he's looking for some good soldiers of the Lord to make intercession. And that's what we're going to look at. And um, But we can... We can uh, he said, if you will walk in my ways and will keep my charge, you shall also judge my house and shall also keep my courts, and I will give thee places to walk among these that stand by. Ooh, 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 ooh. Amen. That's powerful. So we want to walk in his ways. You know, the, uh, some people get mad at you because you talk about money or talk about the tithe and things like that, but that is, all we're trying to do is get the power of God in, in you, out of you. We're trying to get the power through you so that you can walk in these places. And that's just one of the ways. But that, that people do not realize how important the tithe is and what it releases in our lives. And so I just encourage you, and if you don't believe us, well, ask the Holy Ghost. He'll tell you one. He'll tell you if we're right or wrong. Amen. I like to always say, Lord, correct me or confirm me. Amen? So be willing to do that. <clears throat> In Ezekiel 22, we're talking about, now we're slowly making our way to uh, what must we do in this. We've seen we're in a day of darkness. We've seen that even with all the good things promised to us, if we don't know how to do warfare, Keeping the order of God is a big part of warfare. If we don't know how to do warfare and to resist the devil and he has to flee from us, then we're not going to have all these good things of God because he's come to deceive us and to steal, kill, and destroy. So keeping the order of God, keeping the word of God, 
And like one of the Ten Commandments, folks, kids, is to honor your father and mother, and even adults, honoring your father and mother that you shall live long upon the earth. That's in there about, in the Old and New Testament, about seven different times. It's part of the Ten Commandments. It's the first commandment of the second half of commandments that has to do with man and people. I mean, it's a big deal to God that you honor where you came from, even if they're not honorable. So you think, how do I do that? You pray for them. You believe God for their best. You believe God for them to come into the, the fullness of what their destiny. You, you forgive them if they wronged you. That's honoring them. You don't have to go sp- spend a lot of time with them or anything. You just need to honor them before the Lord. Amen? Amen. We'll see about that in just a minute. So then he says, uh, the people of the land, I'm giving you this part because I want you to see that God was dealing with the same kind of life that we have going on around us. The people of the land have used oppression and exercised robbery and have vexed the poor and needy. Yea, they have oppressed the stranger wrongfully. And I sought for a man among them that should make up the hedge and stand in the gap before me for the land that I should not destroy it, but I found none. Therefore have I poured out mine indignation upon them. I have consumed them with the fire of my wrath. Their own way have I recompensed upon their heads, saith the Lord. Now, a lot of times, there are some times when you see something so evil, you think, now, Lord's a good time to pour out your wrath (laughs) upon this. Remember uh, James and John said, call down fire from heaven, because when he was going to go through uh, Samaria, they rejected him. And they wanted him, get them back, Lord. You got the power. Get them back. <laughs> I'm, I got to like, stop that, Mary Jesus. Stop that. Um, that's why we're talking about this, so we can help each other do what's right. Do righteousness. Don't give in to the strife and the corruption that the devil's putting out there, but do righteousness. And sometimes you have to just get hold of your mouth and turn, crank that thing around and make it do what's right. Amen. Because it's so easy to just mouth off. But these are real people and they're doing what's wrong and they're, they're uh, setting themselves up for eternal death and they need an intercessor, not a judge. The, the wrath of God is already on them. People that don't believe, the wrath is already on them. It says in John 3.36 that the wrath is already on them. So Jesus didn't come to judge the world, but that through me it might be saved. So these people, when they come, somebody cuts you off and waves at you in that nice little way that they do, and uh, all these <laughs> shakes their fist at you and does all this stuff. God's saying, they, they need your prayers. You'd like to shake your fist back, but they need your prayers. And he's getting your attention I need you to pray for that one. We're his servants. We're here to serve the love of God to the to people. We're here. The love is abounded to us. It it it's uh, how does it say? He's shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost. His love is, and it means to be spread forth greedily. We have more than enough love of God in us, and He's wanting us. We're stewards now of that. And he's wanting us to steward and be an overseer. Woo, that guy that just waved at me like that, he needs the love of God. <laughs> and trust me, his life is suffering if he behaves like that. He's got a lot of suffering going on somewhere. And so they need, they need, they're just like getting our attention. Pray for me, pray for me, pray for me. I can't help myself. This flesh is just so bad. I can't help myself. There's deep darkness on the earth. Pray for me. Pray for me. Pray for me. Can you hear them? Pray for me. Pray for me. I'm going to hell any day now. Pray for me. And we've got the goods. We've got the blood, the name, and the word. i got to hurry. So... He's looking for people, a man who should make up a hedge and stand in the gap. The gap of what? Between heaven and hell for this person to bring them up. And then in Isaiah 58, 8, it says, then shall that light. So I'm saying, why do we do this? And, and God had said, is this not the fast I have chosen to loose the bands of wickedness, to undo heavy burdens and let the oppressed go free, 
deal with your bread to the hungry and cover the naked and bring the poor into your house. Now, we're not just saying, excuse me, I'm getting into my message here. <laughs> we're not just saying that to, uh, for the natural, but also the spiritual. Your prayer life can clothe the naked and bring them into your house. I have a, a list to call, call my household, and I put my pe- the people on there that I, I call. And I, I've, if I know that uh, somebody is an alone person, I have a cousin that's not married, and he's a part of my household. I bring households into my household, yeah. like Rahab did. And then I hang that thread of redemption out. I bring households, my brother and his children and all their households are part of my household. It, okay, Martha and, and Frankie and all, they're a part of my household. And so I've got, God knows when I lift up my household who I'm talking about. And he may have me pull one out and pray more specifically for them one day. But it's, for, those are my households. And I know we make a difference. I think if just one in the household can get hold of the root of the, God's love for the household, it makes a difference. You don't know the souls that you would snatch up out of the fire by, make, by being faithful to your household and praying and, and praying the word over them. And he says, if you'll do this, then your light shall break forth as the morning and your health shall spring forth speedily and your righteousness shall go before thee and the glory of the Lord shall be thy rear reward. Literally, the glory of God will gather you up Woo, doggy! You can't. You haven't ridden anything. I heard the other day they're going to go to Mars. Thirty-five thousand dollars for a trip. I hope that's not one way. <laughs> that wouldn't be good. Anyway, <laughs> you think you've had a trip? Wait till the glory of God gathers us up. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Okay. Even in Matthew, Jesus told us, "Love your enemies." Bless them that curse you, do good to them that hate you, and pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. I'm going to say that again. This is, this is like hard. I mean, it's okay to read it, but doing it sometimes when your enemy's being pernicious and evil and hurtful and painful to you. I say unto you, love your enemies. Bless them that curse you. Do good to them that hate you. And pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. That you may be the children of your Father which is in heaven. For he makes his son to rise on the evil and on the good and sends the rain on the just and the unjust. If you love them which love you, what reward have you? Even the publicans do the same. If you salute your, salute your brethren only, what do you more than others? Even the publicans do so. But ye, be ye therefore perfect, even as your Father which is in heaven is perfect. And that word perfect means to get to its finished goal line. To cross the goal line. Cross the goal line of God's love. Cross the goal line. And um, thank you, Lord. Amen. So, I'm not going to get into that one. I want to get to where we are. Remember, we, we were looking at... Uh, let me just a minute remind us of what we're talking about. We live in an evil day. What does God want from us? He wants us to, to walk before him humbly and mercifully. And he will give us places in his house if we'll keep his commandments, keep his word. Amen. We'll do his sayings. If we'll listen to his heart and do it his way. Yeah. Amen? Amen? That's what he's saying. I know the way of life. Listen to me and you will live life with me. And you will do it, if you'll listen to me and do it my way, we'll all turn out in the win-win. He wants that from us in this day, to bring heaven to earth. Why? Because it saves the lost, brings wholeness to the believer, and keeps us safe. And we do this by praying for the lost. We learn, and we've said it just a minute ago, we learn to discern the difference between dealing with man's flesh and a demonic spirit. You have authority over the one, but not the other. You have authority to cast out demons, but must speak the influence of God's word to the other. You manage the one and influence by creating an atmosphere around the other. In Romans 15, 8 and 9, it says, Jesus ministered truth to the circumcision. 
that's the believers, and to confirm God's promises, and he ministered mercy to the Gentiles. Sometimes the church gets that confused, and they, and they minister mercy to the believers and truth to the Gentiles. The Gentiles aren't responsible for the truth. They're Gentiles. Amen. They're not born again. The truth is not in them yet. Amen. We have the truth if you've received Christ as your Savior. God will hold us accountable for truth, not the Gentiles. But we're looking for the mercy and not the truth. <laughs> so we need, to, we need to watch that. So we're going to pray for the lost. Um, in Proverbs 5, 21, 23 says, For the ways of man are before the eyes of the Lord, and he ponders all his goings. I want to let you turn in your Bibles to that. We just get too sloppy, I think. We need to get our Bibles out. We need to know where this is. I'm sorry that I go too fast. I'm going to slow down. I want you to look at it with your eyes. He says to keep it before you. And you'll get, if you look at it with your eyes and hear me say it with my mouth, you're getting two gates, eye and ear. And that makes it much more powerful. And you need to understand that unsaved people, this is what they're dealing with. Proverbs 5, 21 through 23. For the ways of man are before the eyes of the Lord, and he ponders all his goings. His own iniquities, the man's iniquities, and we're all born in iniquity. Amen? Jesus said, I was born in iniquity. I mean, David. (laughs) I was born in iniquity. So we're born, a a baby, because the seed of Adam got corrupted in the garden. That's what the fall did. It corrupted the seed of Adam. So everything born after that seed is corrupted. It's got got iniquity. The core of it is is iniquity. And so, which is a type of sin. A bend in, if you will, not standing up straight, it got a bend in it. And um, his own iniquities, those, those things that he was born in as a babe, he was born in iniquity, shall take the wicked himself, and he shall, be, he shall be holden with the cords of his sin, and he shall die without instruction, and in the greatness of his folly he shall go astray. So that sin that we're born in is a bondage to us. It's a cord that wraps us up and ties us in, in knots. We had a, a young man that used to work for us, and he went over to the nursing home. And we had prayer on Thursday nights over here in the prayer room. And Mark would go to the nursing home on Thursdays, I guess. And so he came in there one night, and he asked us to pray for Roy. He said, Roy will not let me in the room. He doesn't want to hear anything I have to say. He's trying to lead him to the Lord. Roy didn't have anything. He doesn't want anything that I want to say. He doesn't want to hear it. He won't even let me come in the room. He said, I want y'all to pray for him. So we started praying for Roy. And I got a vision, <clears throat> a vision, or it, it wasn't, you know, in, in my imagination, I saw this. Roy had a rope around his waist, and it was like he was being pulled. And say this was a big cliff. He was being pulled, and all of his relatives before him were hanging on this already gone over the edge. And so the weight of that is pulling him in that direction, pulling him, pulling him towards the edge. And he just, Roy was 96 years old. So he had one and three quarters feet in the grave, right? He was right near the end. So, and so in my prayer, praying for Roy in, in the Holy Spirit, thank you, Jesus, for the prayer in tongues and the Holy Ghost. I saw Roy with this rope around his, his, not his neck, his waist, and it was pulling him over the edge. And so in the name of Jesus, we got a big, the blood of the lamb, and we cut that rope. In the name of Jesus, we broke off that off of Roy and released him. Three weeks later, he got saved. Six months after that, he went to be with the Lord. Hallelujah! This makes me cry. I'm telling you, our prayers are powerful. And we're having prayer in the prayer room. Don't forget. We get healed in the healing room, prayer in the prayer room. There's a lot of energy going on. Amen. He, he, his own iniquities shall take the wicked himself, and he shall be holden. So God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. God sent not his son in the world to condemn it, but that through the world through him might be saved. Who is uh, him? 
Jesus. And Jesus is the Word made flesh, according to John chapter 1. So you could say, God so loved the world, He gave His only begotten Son, or His Word, that whoever believes in Him should not perish. Whoever believes His Word should not perish. God sent not His Word into the world to condemn, but through the Word He might be saved. He believed on Him. He that believes on Him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already, because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son. So the thing is, Jesus died for the sins of the whole world, circumcision and Gentiles, the whole world. He died for the sins of the whole world. So when you're dealing with an unsaved cousin or your parents or brothers and sisters or, uh, you know, the, the point is the darkness is covering the earth. We want to get ourselves focused. And I was thinking about this. When you're raising children and they go through their teen years, it's important that they have something that they're focused on. They have their, uh, for guys, it's usually a sports or some kind. It, it takes them out of themselves and it helps them to stay focused and brings them, because they're, they're in a time of transition when they're going from the young men, the young children to teens to young men. That's all a hormonal transition and they need to be focused somewhere. Well, we're getting ready to transist, transition to heaven. And we need to stay focused on what we're to be doing before that time comes. And don't let the devil kick up his heels and throw a hissy fit and do a, uh, spit BBs and do a dance in front of you. And you're going, you know, to be fascinated is demonic. He, he wants to get us fascinated, fascinated with things. And we're looking at this, and I'm as guilty as anybody. I know my husband's in there going, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, that's why I'm preaching it, because I need to hear it too. <laughs> that's the Lord speaking to me about. And so we need to be careful that we stay focused on praying for the lost. And let me show you about the believers before I run out of time, how to pray for believers. So when we pray for the lost, what do they need? They need the blood of the Lamb. And Jesus shed his blood for all mankind. So you can rightly go to him and say, Father, I put the blood of the lamb. I plead the blood over Carl or Sue or whoever. I put the blood over the president of the United States. I put the blood over the mayor of the city. I put the blood over my boss. I put the blood over them. Take ownership where you are and bring these people up out of the fire and into the kingdom. Amen. And your prayers, he says, give me something to work with. It's not his will that any man perish. Amen? So he says, give me something to work with. And I, if I were to bind the devil, Jesus said, you go and cast out devils. Speak with new tongues. Speaking with new tongues is wonderful to find out how to pray. You don't know how to pray, and so you pray in other tongues. And then sometimes he will bring an awareness to you of how to pray. So... Uh, for the lost, you have the blood, the name, and the word. And, and, and God has um, shed his blood. Jesus has shed his blood for all mankind. So that's where you have to start with the lost. They need to be washed in the blood and redeemed from the curse. You take authority over the curse in their lives. What you're doing is you're preparing them for a visitation of the Holy Ghost. And he's holy. So they need to be prepared for He can walk in the room there. He's holy. Amen? So our prayer life prepares them for Him to come in there and, and bring them into righteousness because He's, he's holy. So um, remember, God's looking for a man who to build up the hedge and stand in the gap that He would not destroy it. It's not His will that any man perish, but that all men come into the, the kingdom. So you build up a hedge. You take authority over the devil in their lives. This is the lost. Bind Satan and command him to loose them. Uh, Psalm 2 says, ask of me and I'll give you the Gentiles. Sometimes I'll just be uh, driving down the street and see that person on the corner. And I'll say, Lord, I'm asking for their soul. You said, ask of me and I'll give you the Gentiles. I'm asking for that soul right there. I plead the blood over them. I bind Satan and command you to loose them and let them go in Jesus' name. 
I ask you, Father, to send some laborers across their path in Jesus' name, and I command the blessing on them. One thing about that I discovered, because sometimes it bothered me, well, how do I pray for a blessing upon a sinful person? If they're doing wrong, how do I pray you to bless them? It says in Acts chapter 3, at the end of the chapter, he blessed them by turning them from their iniquities. Hallelujah. That's where the blessing will start. It'll start turning them from their iniquities. The grace of God will give them the, power, the ability to receive, receive what the Holy Spirit's wanting to do. <clears throat> you just pray for them and give God your attention and he'll show you exactly how to take care of business. You'll learn a lot. You'll learn a lot from that. Now, this is the finishing, but this is a really important. It's how we pray for one another. How do we pray for the believers? As we're praying for the lost, this is what we're in a deep, dark world. We're going to have to do warfare. But this is a part of your warfare is having your attention captured by praying for the lost and for other believers. When you're busy about that, praying for your family, praying for your the lost, praying for other believers, when you're busy about that, the devil can't get your attention so much. Amen? So, in praying for other believers, now we're going to all turn in our Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. So I want you to see this. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, it says in verse 18, this is just a little extra, but now hath God set the members, every one of them, in the body as it has pleased him. You might, if West Houston Christian Center is your home, then you want to pray for us as a body of believers. Pray for those people that God has ordained to be here, that they get here. Because this is their wealthy place. If, if he set them... Now have God set members, every one of them in the body, it's literally their ordination papers. <laughs> they have been ordained to be here by the God of all the universe, and they need to hear that. They need to be able to get here. And so just there's a gap between them where they are out there and here, and they're not here yet. So you just pray and fill in that gap. That's how we pray for the body. This is a corporate body. But it says, then it goes on down to 22. He says, nay, much more those members of the body which seem to be more feeble are necessary. And those members of the body which we, <clears throat> excuse me, we think to be less honorable, upon these we bestow more abundant honor. And our uncomely parts have more abundant comeliness. For our comely parts have no need, but God has tempered the body together, having given more abundant honor to that part which lacks that there shall be no, I always say this wrong, schism, schism, schism. <laughs> I knew I there should be no schism in the body, but that the members should have the same care one for another. Now God, the, the, the feeble, those that seem to be more feeble are necessary. Feeble is uh, uh, weak and sick and infirm, but they could be weak spiritually. They could be weak physically. They could be weak in their soulish realm. But um, those, those are more necessary. Those members that seem to be less important are more necessary. Why? They're no more necessary. Um, that le The less honorable on these we bestow more abundant honor and our uncomely parts have more abundant comely parts. Now the, the word honor is put a greater value on that and our uncomely is deformed, indecent, or not holding in the mind. You know, I, I've always been surprised that when I got saved, I got saved. And I got into the Bible, and I, did, I didn't put it down. I never did understand people that supposedly got saved, and then they don't do anything with any of it. And I didn't understand that. But that's, they, that's a, a weakness, a feebleness in them. And they didn't, uh, they're not holding things in the mind. It evidently slips past them. So that's a gap. That's an a, a opening in them. And it needs to be filled in. What did we say? God is looking for someone to stand in the gap. Amen. Right? 
So when you're praying for believers, they've got Christ in them, but they're fractured in there. So all their little personality things and their soulish realm and their spirit man, their spirit man would be whole, but it's not wholly taking over the soul. And that's what when we're praying for, uh, when I pray, say, say I'm going to pray for Veronica. And I just, I, I, maybe I don't know how to pray for Veronica. I don't know what her weaknesses are, what her strengths, oh, I know her strengths, but I don't know what she's really desiring from the Lord or anything. So I can pray in the Holy Spirit. But I see myself, see back in the Old Testament, the tabernacle, they had craftsmen that were anointed craftsmen. That's what this prayer life is. It's a, it's a embroidering and knitting together the curtains in the tabernacle. It's the, so I start praying in tongues for Veronica and the Holy Spirit goes and starts knitting. And do you, do you know when it says when we all speak the same mind in 1 Corinthians 1.10, talks about speaking the same mind. It's the same word for mending their nets. So you could say that I'm mending her net. Amen. So when she can catch the spirit when he comes by, because <laughs> I've spent some time praying for her, mending her net. I don't have to pray for you this afternoon now. Mend your net. But these are open places in all of us. So when you're praying for believers, you still plead the blood. You still bind the devil, and you still speak the word, you, but you let the Holy Spirit show you what word they need, and you, you realize that wherever there's gaps in their life, you're there to fill in those gaps. Amen? Amen. Amen. So, one thing you need to know is in 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 8, the love scriptures, verse 5 says, Love, verse 5 says, love does not behave itself unbecomingly, unseemly, uncomely. It's the same word. So it doesn't, love doesn't lose its shape. Now I've got the Holy Ghost in me, but my soul might not be in full shape with the Holy Spirit, right? So when you pray for me or when I pray for you, we're praying to get in shape. Amen? Amen. So remember that the love of God will come in and it covers a multitude of sins. But we really have to adjust. We get a paradigm shift and adjust and see that person like God sees them and, and pray. I mean, sometimes it takes a work of faith to get there. Uh, but, but, but those are the ones you need to pray for the most. Proverbs 25, bottom line, we give more attention to the parts we think are less honorable they will become more honorable, and intercession for that one will bring wholeness to their inner man. Yeah. Proverbs 25:11. A word fitly spoken is like apples of gold in pictures of silver. If you if you break that apart in the Hebrew, it, you could say, a word fitly spoken, spoken upon his wheels. Remember in Ezekiel, it talks about the wheels going round and round, the eyes and in and around. That's like the presence of the Lord. Amen. Spoken upon his wheels, a word fitly spoken, spoken upon his wheels from the Lord is like a shimmering breath in or upon the imagination of your destiny or your desire. The word of God fashions, puts in order, and equips us for our intended purpose. Amen. So when we pray for one another... We're filling in those gaps. We all have cracks. We were like a little puzzle piece, and God wants to make us whole in those areas. And we all need wholeness somewhere, right? Don't you agree? And so we all need prayer. So when you're praying for a believer, you, pray, you can pray differently than for, than for an unbeliever. And, um, and remember, I wanna, I'm going to close us with this prayer from Ephesians. Uh-oh. Okay. Did you get all that? Hmm? No, 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 no. I just want to make sure we get it. Because this is our assignment as soldiers of God. People that, that are born again, spirit-filled, and have been taught. And that's who you are. You've been taught. And so... Um, uh, God needs us on his team. And so each one of us keeping our lives clean, keeping our, ourself in order, in the order of God, it keeps the power flow. Amen. 
It keeps us full of power, and the Holy Ghost can really get some work done through us. So this is a prayer that the Apostle Paul prayed for the church in Ephesians chapter 3. And uh, I would like for you to just stand up. If you want to receive this, I want you to purposely receive it. I'll speak it out, but then you receive it as if you're speaking it to yourself. But let's, let's stand up and honor this prayer. And uh, if you don't want it, just say, Lord, leave me out. <laughs> she shouldn't want this. <laughs> no, you laugh, but there was, there was a lady that said that, that, that uh, a minister had a vision and all these ministers were, and their wives were going to a meeting. And the Lord took this guy and showed him and said, <clears throat> these different couples, that's... that's uh, Mary Jean and Jack Pigeon, that's Fidel and Jeannie Sanchez. And, that. and what he'd say, that's Mary Jean and Jack Pigeon, and they're not listening. They're not interested. <laughs> and that's Jeannie and Alma, you have joined us. They're not, Jeannie and Fidel, they're not interested. Here's, uh, here's uh, Steve, <laughs> Stephen, he's interested. Minister to him. He was telling the angels, he's interested, minister to him. So he would go and point out everybody in the room. He named them by name and said, they're not interested. They're interested. And this, this lady said, after that, when my husband and I go to a meeting, Lord, this is Jack and Mary Jean Pigeon, and we're interested. <laughs> so tell the Lord this is your name. Tell him your name. And I'm interested. And I received this prayer. Amen. So the Apostle Paul said, for this reason seeing a greatness of this plan by which you are built together in Christ, I bow my knees before the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, for whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that Father from whom all fatherhood takes its title and derives its name. May he grant you out of the rich treasury of his glory to be strengthened and reinforced with mighty power in the inner man by the Holy Spirit, himself indwelling your innermost being and personality. <clears throat> May Christ, through your faith, actually dwell, settle down, abide, and make his permanent home in your hearts. May you be rooted deep in love and founded securely on love, that you may have the power and be strong to apprehend and grasp with all the saints, God's devoted people, the experience of that love. What is the breadth and length and height and depth of it? that you may really come to know practically through experience for yourselves the love of Christ, which far surpasses mere knowledge without experience, that you may be filled through all your being unto all the fullness of God, may have the richest measure of the divine presence and become a body wholly filled and flooded with God himself. Now to him who by an inconsequence of the action of his power that is at work within us is able to carry out his purpose and do super abundantly, far over and above all that we, the principalities, the highest prayers, desires, thoughts, hopes, or dreams, to Him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Amen. So be it. We receive it, Lord. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.